Look at Acts chapter 9. We're starting with verse 32. And we're going to read a couple of accounts of things that seemed impossible, but because of God, they were possible. Because of God, right? It's, it's not something you and I necessarily do. We get to be a part of it. We get to see it. We get to experience it. But it is all a work of God. Acts chapter 9, starting at verse 32. It says, now as Peter went here and there among them. I think Peter had ADHD, by the way. Because <laughs> he went here and there, right? But as Peter went here and there among them, he came down also to the saints who lived at Lydda. And there he found a man named Aeneas bedridden for eight years, who was paralyzed. Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. And immediately he rose. And all the residents of Lydda and Sharon, they saw him and they turned to the Lord. Mark that line right there. All the residents. Verse 36. Now there wasn't, Joppa, a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas, and she was a, a full of good works and acts of charity. And in those days, she became ill and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. And since Lida was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, please come to us without delay. So Peter rose. And he went with them, and when he arrived, they took him to the upper room. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other garments that, that Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all outside, and he knelt down, and he prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and the widows, he presented her alive. Amen. And it became known throughout all Joppa. And many believed in the Lord. Mark that. And he stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon, a tanner. Would you pray with me? Father, we love your word. It speaks to the core, Lord, of who we are today or who we can be. Your word is a light unto our feet. Today, God, we need light in this dark world. I pray that your word will wash over us, God, that if there be anything in our lives that would be contrary to your word, to your will, that, God, you would remove it as far as the east is from the west, that you may be glorified in us. May your word be spoken today. May you be glorified through all of this in your most holy name. Amen. I like this. You know, we're coming up on uh, uh, tomorrow's October 31st. It's candy day, I know. But, 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 but church, historical-wise, it's, it's the Reformation Day. It's the day that our, our brother Martin Luther went to the church there and he nailed the 95 theses up there to say, hey, you're doing it wrong. And he didn't do it in such a way in which he's picking on people and just saying, you're doing it wrong. You know, he's not your typical Baptist that's looking down on people. He's doing it. He's doing it for a purpose, right? Martin had experienced the, the beauty in, in Romans chapter 1, 16 and 17, where, where it's the gospel that saves us. He finally experienced what it means to be saved. 
And he wanted the rest of the world to know this. And then those 95 theses, it, it really lays out what the church was missing in that moment. They'd gotten away from a lot of good stuff. They were starting to charge people for the redemption of their sins. They were, they were keeping the word of God as only something that's spoken and heard and not something that's read. There's all this that's going on, and Martin didn't like that. And as I'm reading through this passage we just read, I'm reminded of the importance of the word of God. I'm reminded that, that life comes through the word of God. As good as your pastor, as good as your Sunday school teacher, as good as your worship team is, if we do anything apart from the word of God, it is pointless. My strength as a pastor, your strength as a believer, my strength as a believer is in the word of God. We know that faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of God. Faith is something that comes from this book. And how many of us need more faith today? In a world that's crazy, in a world that's falling apart around us, we need the word of God. And, and if we need it as the church, don't you think the world needs it too? That's exactly where we're at today. It's exactly where we're at. The, the word of God, it, it is powerful. And wherever the word of God goes, it changes the lives of those who hear it. I want you guys to think about the Reformation. We talked a little bit about this on Wednesday night. Why is the Reformation like relevant to us today? Well, it's relevant because it brings about some points that we need not forget. For a lot of us, we, we know, but if you don't, Martin Luther wasn't the only Reformationist, by the way. He kind of gets credit for a lot of it. But you know, it went on, it went, it started a lot earlier than that. You, you had guys like Jonathan Huss, who, who, who was a man who, who loved the word and he heard the word through guys like Wycliffe and, and he began to preach the word, even though it would cost him his life. John Huss and men like him, they, they, they were, they were guys who were like the spark, right? But then along comes Martin Luther and he lights the torch. He full on goes out there and just lights it up. There were guys like Zwingli, say that three times really fast, right? Ulrich Zwingli and John Calvin, they, they fanned the flames. They, they kept it going. They were on the same mentality, the same mind of Christ level as, as, as Martin was. They wanted to keep the Reformation going. Because prior to the Reformation, what we know is that there was a spiritual ignorance that was shrouded in religion. People were not reading the word of God. They had someone reading it to them. And it was very diluted. It was very pointed. I know a lot of us today were saying, man, we're just so modern today. We know the word of God, right? You guys, you have, you have a Bible in front of you. You have your phones. Uh, you, man, you can drive down the road and listen to the word of God, right? You can have, uh, you know, the, who, who's the guy that does uh, Darth Vader's voice? James Earl Jones can read the Bible to you, right? You can have Darth Vader reading the Bible to you. How cool is that? Steve Irwin, okay. <laughs> All right, mate. But the thing that we know today is we may have access to it, but are we accessing it? Are we going to it? Yeah, and there, was a, there, was a, there was a time in history where people didn't have access to the Word of God. Not like we do today. And the beauty in the and the Reformation is that today we have this available to us. I mean, honestly, when I tell you guys, hey, there's nothing impossible for a God who can do all things, there's nothing impossible. Nothing. 
That a church like this, I mean, there's no reason why people can't be still coming. And we know, we, we're seeing it, right? We're seeing people coming to God. We're seeing, we're seeing families change. We're seeing, we're seeing growth within our church. But the thing about it, it's not about your pastor or you guys. It's about the word of God consistently being proclaimed. And the more consistent we are with this, the more it's going to happen. Because of this, when people hear the word, it's going to change them. It's going to change them. You know, we talk about guys like Wycliffe. Wycliffe was a guy who, uh, he, was, he was English, and he wanted to translate the Bible from Latin into English, right? Is that important? It's important because, yes, people needed to know what the Word of God said. But people hated Wycliffe for it. He dies, and they hated him so much that they dug his body up, and they took it out and burned it. How cool is that, you know? That's a nice how to do. You know, yeah, like I, I made this nice translation of the Bible and you're just going to burn my dead body, right? But Huss, who I was talking about earlier, Huss was so convicted that he continued to preach what Wycliffe had started. And I'd like to say that John Huss, that he, you know, became really famous and, and acquired a, uh, his own personal jet, had a couple mansions, he had a place in the Bahamas. I'd like to tell you that's how his life ended. But John Huss because he preached the truth of the gospel and the importance of the word of God, because of that, he was tarred, feathered, and lit on fire. And he died. These reformers, they were serious about the word of God. And sometimes we're not even serious enough to open our phones in the morning and to read the verse of the day. When we should be people who get into the word of God, the the Reformation matters to us today because scripture alone is still what we need. It's still what we need. Nothing's changed. Uh, the rest of the world may be saying, oh, well, you know, we can, we can turn to Oprah. We can turn to, you know, Dr. Phil. We can turn to, you know, whatever. Even some television preachers who get out there and all they do is preach a positive message. Oh, you're good enough, guys. The fact of the matter is we're not good enough. The fact of the matter is that none of us are good. There's only one who's good, and that's our God. So today we find our We find our salvation. We find our hope in Jesus, not in the things of this world. And we can't know that apart from the word of God. You can't know that. Luther goes to the door. October 31st, 1517, goes to the door over 500 years ago. Goes to the door, he nails those theses. And I encourage you, go home, go home, look up uh, the 95 theses. It's a riveting read. I enjoy it, but some people, you know, it's like, he's just telling, hey, this is exactly what we're doing wrong. You know, things like hey, the people should have access to the word of God. People ought to be able to pick their own pastor of their own parish. You know, the, he has these kinds of things that he's picking out that, that basically the church had gotten very political. Sometimes I see that in my own denomination, very political. We've got to get away from that. We've got to get back to the word of God. Reformation is important because it reminds us that the word of God is important. It reminds us that, that the only hope for sinners is the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. It's not through the church. It's not through you sitting in that pew or that chair this morning. It's not because you came to Sunday school or didn't come to Sunday school. The reason that we're saved is because Jesus loved us so much. He went to the cross and died at Calvary, and that's it. There's no other reason. And I can't even take credit for my own salvation. Some people look at it and say, well, Dan, you've been preaching a long time. And, you know, you know, you're a young man. I'm really not a young man. I promise you. <laughs> I've, I've been preaching a long time. I've been preaching since I was 15. You know, I mean, I, 15, I'm 46 years old. I'll just tell you, if you don't know, it's, I don't care. I'm proud of my 46 years on earth. The Lord's blessed me with that. 
But when I began preaching the word of God, even at a young age, I, I didn't know everything. And here I stand at 46 years old, pastoring a wonderful church in McLeod, Oklahoma. I still don't know everything. But what I do know is that book knows everything. That book is a lifeline for me. That book is where my faith is. And it's, it's something that, that we need to understand today is that as a church, as a pastor, what does Daniel do going into you know, his, his next uh, decade of pastoring and preaching the word of God? I continue to preach this. As we ready ourselves to go to the country of Turkey, I'm excited as I'll get out because I'm a biblical nerd. I love church history. I get to see some really cool places. But more than anything, I pray that when we're there, that we get to tell people about Jesus. I want to see people who God has completely changed because of the word that we may get the chance to preach or proclaim. Because I believe that wherever we go, the word of God should go because we can't help but share it. And I do know this, that wherever the word of God goes, it does what it's made to do. It does. We're reminded today that the Reformation matters because we still need to be reformed in the church. And I'm not talking about these higher ups out here who say, oh, well, I'm reformed. I got a lot of friends who say, I'm reformed Baptist. Whoop-de-doo. Are you really reformed? Because I really think if you're reformed, you're not going to go around bragging about it. That's like saying, you know what? I'm a really humble person. Are you really reformed? Right? Here's what you ought to be. You, you ought to realize if you really believe that you're de depraved and that you're lost in your sin, then you need to be on your knees saying, Jesus, please help me. Jesus, be the, be the light that I need in my life. Be the salvation that I need. And so the word of God is what? It's good, is it not? I, 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 I've just found in my life that the word of God is it's where I always go. When I, when I preach a funeral that's hard, you, you go, I preached an infant funeral just a few weeks ago. And it, what do you say, you know? Especially after coming off a season in our life where we lost a baby and it's like, ah, oh, that's so hard. But, but when, you, when you really get into the word of God, it does help us during those times. And I tell people, yeah, I don't have a magic pill for you, but I got the word of God and the word of God will go forth and help you. It's not going to take away every single pain, but it's going to give you a clarity because it's the light that you need to see the world that's dark, to see what's going on around here. So what do we know? Well, here's what I'd say. The word of God is our guide in a lot of ways, but three things I get out of this passage of scripture is that the word of God is our guide in service. In service. Do you want to know how to be a good Christian? Read your Bible. Do you want to know how to be a, a Bible-centered church? Read your Bible. No matter what we do in life, the Bible is the center. Last night, we passed out an ungodly amount of candy and hot dogs, okay? We're just helping our community be healthier one person at a time. Here's some sugar. <laughs> Mentally healthy, right? Well, here, here, here's some processed meat and sugar, right? God bless you. We did that last night. It was, it was wonderful. But the thing I kept seeing was people communicating from our church with people from our community who we don't know. Encouraging them to come to church. Encouraging them in their life. Connecting with people on the same level. I mean, I, I saw that. And that's, that's the work of the gospel. That's the work of the word of God. That you and I, we're commanded, we're commanded to be that way. We're commanded to be people who use the word of God as our guide in service. 
We use it as our guide in the proclamation of the gospel. We use it in our guide as to how we love the world and how we love his church. You know, I love the fact that as a pastor, I'm called to love the world. I'm called to love the people out here, but I'm also called to love you as a pastor. I'm, I'm called to encourage you as, as the people. And how do we do that? We do it with the word of God. If I just get up here and say, man, Jesse, you're just an awesome dude. Your beard is on fleek, man. It's just awesome today, you know? Your shoes are awesome. You guys, you were leading worship today. It's great, it's great. If, if I just, if that's all you ever hear from me and I never direct you to the word of God, that's not the way that we're gonna encourage our churches. Now, your beard does look good. I admit, man, okay? We're trying to gear up. We're wanting to look as, as I guess, uh, culturally relevant when we go to Turkey as we possibly can. So we're growing our beards out, you know, which we always have beards. But anyways, y'all are like, we didn't notice. Y'all always look homeless. But we're going, we're getting our beards out there. But the thing when we're going to Turkey, I mean, the thing we really want to know is that as you guys pray for us, pray that we proclaim the word of God without holding back at all. The every opportunity I get, if I'm if I'm at a market, if I'm on the side of the road, I'm where maybe we're at Ephesus, you know, or somewhere like that, and we're we're there, and somebody's there, and we're able to talk to them about Jesus. May we have the boldness and the focus to do that. I've shared it a little bit with you guys. I really believe God's doing something in that country right now, um, because that's the last place I, I would necessarily want to go on a mission trip. You think mission trip, at least in my mind, I think, you know, uh, places I'm familiar with, Honduras, Mexico, Central America, you know, someplace like that, maybe Africa. But but for some reason, we're going to like, you know, this this Turkey. And, and, and for, for, for us, we know that that's kind of where the church first moved and now it's been pretty much obliterated, but now there's a chance for it to come back. And I pray that that's what the word of God goes forth and does as we go there. Everything we do in the scope of church life, whether it's a mission trip or whether it's Sunday morning service, everything that we do should be based on the mandate to love the world and to love the good news and to proclaim the good news. Unless some people say, well, we're not to love the world. No, you are to love the world. And what I mean by that is you are to love the people that are here. We should be concerned enough about the people out here who don't know Jesus that we get out there and tell them about Jesus. It's, it's not like some magical thing where, well, if, man, if we get, if our church looks really cool, you know, and we have, we have the perfect lights and we have all this and everybody in McLeod's going to come here. Some of y'all probably thought, well, if we get Daniel as pastor, you know, everybody in McLeod's going to come here. That's not how it works. Now, some of y'all, y'all are like, yeah, we're here because of you and you're weird, but the truth of the matter is, is what we need to get back to is the fact that the word of God is our guide in service and everything that we do, everything. I know we have parents out there today. We have grandparents. How do you better parent and grandparent your, your kids? Get into the word of God. And everything that we need to know is in the Bible. It's that ultimate guide. It's, it's what we need to know. The word of God is also a guide in death. Oh, Daniel, you're going to talk about death today. I am. In this story, we see the, uh, the, the telling of Tabitha and how she, she dies. You know what's a commonality between, between all people? Is that we're born and we die. We're born and we die. It happens to every one of us. The older I get, the more I realize that death happens. 
And it happens not just to the ones that you would expect it to happen to or the bad people, but death happens to everyone. You know, when you're a kid, you watch those old like Westerns and stuff and the bad guys always die, right? They get shot. I love Gunsmoke. It's one of the best shows ever made, right? How many people did Matt Dillon shoot and kill during this, the running of that series, you know? Basically every episode he kills and shoots somebody and, it's, and nobody cries for that person. They're like, well, he deserved it. He shouldn't have robbed that bank or, you know, he shouldn't have, you know, stole those cows, <laughs> right? Off the top, it's funny to think about it. We watch that? The truth of the matter is today is that in death, we know it's going to happen. We know that death is a part of life. It's, it's here. Death will happen. But the word of God points us to a hopeful truth. How many of y'all need hope today? Right? I, I, I know it. And as we're, we're serving, which by the way, Billy Graham says that the highest form of worship that a person can have is like an unselfish Christian service. That's the highest form you can have. He says the greatest form of praise is the sound of consecrated feet seeking out the lost and the helpless. Oh, I love that. And all of it's found in the word of God. And all of it was, is with an understanding that death's going to come and death's going to happen and death is around us. But the Bible, it says here that we are not a people without hope. If you need hope today, get into the word of God. Because with him, with the word of God in our lives, we have no reason to mourn. Let the church say amen. We have no reason to fear. Say amen. Because we have hope. We have hope. That's not a period at the conclusion of our sentence. It's to colon, to comma, because there's much more to come for the believer. Amen. Now, no matter when we die, there's much more for us. We are not a people without hope. And the word of God is not only our guide in service, but it's also our guide through this thing called life that is surrounded and, and, and soaked in death. Even though we're going to experience death in this world, there's no reason for us to walk around and be hopeless. Be sad, mourn, of course. How cheap would love be if we didn't cry when someone died, right? But at the same time, we don't walk around as the, as the rest of the world without hope because we do have hope. Death is a part of this broken world, but God, check this out. God has a plan for redemption. Now, one of these days, and we read this in the book of Revelation, that Jesus is going to do something. He's going to wipe away every single tear. And not just that, but you're never going to cry again. I'm going to say that again, okay? One of these days, all tears will be wiped away. And your tear ducts are going to fall out because you won't even need them anymore. There's no need. There's no need for crying. Well, you might need them for, you know, keeping your eyes wet. But other than that, you'll you'll be in a glorified body. Maybe, I don't know, it's it's still out. I don't know if we'll need all that stuff when we're in heaven or not. But I do know this, that you won't cry again for sadness. Because redemption has happened. Uh, You guys know uh, my little boy, uh, Jaron, he's been sick this week. Uh, Went to the doctor and they're like, yep, he's got RSV. And I'm like, great. And RSV is like different. I, I didn't know a lot about it. It's a cold basically, but uh, it's a viral cold. But it, it's something that doesn't just go away. It kind of hangs on. And so he's kind of had this a week like this, you know, 
where he's he's like you know on death's door laying on the couch watching scooby-doo and then the next moment he's on his trike uh butt naked just you know riding around the house like this so there's this there's this kind of back and forth all week long and i'm like uh it's like wearing on dad because i'm like he's better he's not he's better he woke up this morning he's, he's better this morning by the way but um as as we're as we think about that, you know, there were times where he would just cry and he would, he would look at us because he's never been sick his whole life. And Jaron would look at me, he's like, I, I'm tired of being sick. And he would cry. And I'd wipe his tears away. And then a little bit later, he might bump his head or a little bit later, he might, you know, for some reason cry. Those tears come back. One of these days, church, those tears will never come back for my little son. And it's the same for you. And we know that. Why? Not because of some wives' tale, not because of some fable. It's because the Word of God leads us in that direction. We know what the next step is. Is it going to get rough? Sure. Are you going to miss people when they die? You bet. But it's not the end. It's just, it's just a little bit of time, and then we will be redeemed 100%. The last thing I would say is that the word of God is our guide in service and death, but it's also our guide in resurrection. Everybody say amen. We love that. People say, why do you, you know, why do you guys worship on, on Sunday? Sunday's technically the first day of the week, right? And, and, and so uh, we look at it that way, but it's, it's, it's the first day. And some people say, well, you're supposed to worship on Sabbath. Well, we worship on this day because this is the day that Jesus rose from the dead. And that's because it's important to us, isn't it? That without the resurrection of Jesus, I mean, it points to who he is, the power that's in not just his death, but also in his resurrection. There's power in that. There's power in that. That that Sunday is that day of rest for us because on that day, Jesus rose again. On that day, we we have power in that. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, I read this at every funeral. Because it encourages me. Paul's writing to the church in Thessalonica. I want you guys just to listen. You can turn there if you want. First Thessalonians chapter four. I didn't put it in the notes. But he says, we do not want you to be uninformed brothers about those who are asleep. Now I'm reading this because I want you guys to see like in real life, this is how the word of God is our God. If you've, if you've suffered in death, if you've suffered in being positive in life, if you've suffered with wondering what is next, 1 Thessalonians is one of those passages that really encourages us today. He says, I appeal to you, right? Listen to this. Don't be uninformed. He says that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and he rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. I love this passage because it reminds us of the truth of the matter. If you're at a funeral, it's very much like this. It's the worst day, right? It's sad. It's uncomfortable. Your loved one's there in front of the church. Your loved one's there, uh, you know, about to be put into the ground or whatever. It's like this. But when you open the word of God, it's that light that shows us the big picture. And the big picture is, is that we don't have to be without hope. Paul goes on to tell him, hey, what's going to happen is that there's going to be a shout. (laughs) Amen. There's going to be a, a trumpet that's going to sound. And it says the dead in Christ will rise first. And then those of us who are left behind, we're going to meet them in the air. That's going to be super cool and different for us. And it says we're going to meet Christ. And there we will be with him for how long? Seven to ten days? Two weeks? 
seven to 10 business days. No, we're going to be there forever, right? And so Paul ends that little passage there. He says this, encourage each other with these words. You know what that tells me? It tells me the word of God needs to be something that we're telling each other. Instead of y'all coming to church and griping about the temperature or something, which I know we do that as Baptists, I'm just saying, all right? If, that, if you come griping about the temperature this morning, I'm not talking about you. I'm just coming up with this off the top of my head right now. But here's the thing. When we come to church, we shouldn't come complaining. We should come proclaiming the word of God. That in your families, if you've got problems in your families, proclaim the word of God. If there's people around you who don't know Jesus, neighbors, people that you work with, proclaim the word of God because it's our guide in service, in death, and in resurrection. We have all of that because of the word of God. I'm able to preach a a negative slash positive message today because of the word of God. I can talk about the negative. Some preachers just want to stay away from it, right? We know there's a thing in this world called sin. Some preachers don't want to preach too much about it because you might offend somebody. Well, guys, there's sin. Wrong is wrong. It is. I can't, like, I can't change that. Well, Daniel, that was culturally acceptable, you know, or not acceptable then, but now it's acceptable now. No, that's not how it works. Sin is sin. We've all sinned, by the way. Not just the people who are currently out here living these terrible lives, but we have all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God, but the gift of God is what? It's eternal life. I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, man, Paul knew what he was talking about. Because he said, he didn't say encourage each other that you're Christians. Encourage each other with like the new t-shirt or the, you know, encourage each other with a cup of coffee. He says, encourage each other with these words. The next time somebody around you is down and out and you're like, I don't know what to tell them, right? I don't know what to say to that person. They're, they're going through a hard time. He says to encourage them. If someone around you loses someone, encourage them with these words. If they've lost someone, say, you know what? I know this is not going to take your pain away, but I want to encourage you with something. That one of these days that Jesus is going to come back with a shout and the blast of a trumpet. And those who have gone on before, they're going to, they're going to rise first. And then all of us who are left behind, we're going to meet them in the air. And then we're going to be together forever. If they're a believer, that's going to encourage them. If they're not, it's going to make them want to ask questions. They may even look at you a little funny, by the way. They're going to, people are going to do what? They're going to come out of the ground? They're going, to not, they're, not, they're going to be dead and then not dead? Yep, that's the glory in the resurrection. That's the glory in the redemption of God. Because the word of God's not just there just to be a book that we say, oh, look at here, we've got our book. You know, don't, don't just carry a book around so you can say, look at me, I've got my Bible. You carry it around, but you also use it. You carry it in your heart, you carry it in your mind, and you understand that it's your guide in everything in life. It helps us to know how to serve. It helps us to know how to deal with this, this world that is just soaked in death. But it also helps us to remember that there is a resurrection and a redemption that is coming we're not hopeless, are we? I think the most beautiful thing about being in church is the fact that you get to associate with people who've been redeemed as well. And I don't mean that in like a clicky type of way, okay? I'm not saying we're all, well, we're all Baptists. We're all in one place. We should feel good about this. No, what I'm saying is that if we're all truly in Christ, there is unity because we're all in the same boat. We're all in the same boat and there's a beauty in that. I've worked with people that, you know, when I quit working at that place, I never talked to those people again. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe you went to high school with people and you've never talked to those people again. 
I'm friends with them on Facebook, but I've never talked to them since high school, you know. I see they have kids now. That's about it. I see they have jobs. I see that they do things, but I don't know them. But the, the truth of the matter is, is that today as believers in Jesus Christ, we don't just know each other now, but this is going to be something that I'm going to know you guys in heaven. So if that bothers you, I'm sorry, but you're going to know me forever, okay? <laughs> you're not just going to know me in my tenure as pastor here or whatever, you know, which I pray I'm here for a long, long, long time. But, but what I do know is that no matter what happens in this life, that we have eternity as the church together. There is hope. There is, there's an outline to how we do church. There is an outline to how we get through this life. And there's an outline to know what we got land in store for us. That's the gospel. And it only comes through the gospel. Romans chapter 12, and let's wrap it up here. I'm not going to read it entirely through this because I, it's a long passage of scripture, but um, Romans 12 really Paul's writing about, you know, living in the spirit. Um, he's talking about how we're heirs with Christ and, and how God has a, a sovereign choice. He's going through here and he's talking about these kinds of things, how the message of salvation is for all. Um, he's talking about the remnant, uh, Israel, and how they were kind of left behind, but then the Gentiles were grafted in. Amen. That it's not just uh, the Jewish nation now, but it's all people can be a part of the gospel message of, of Jesus Christ and that, that mystery of Israel's salvation. Yeah, it's a really a mystery, but God's, God's going to clarify it one of these days. But then he talks about how we're to be a living sacrifice. And he talks about the gifts that are afforded to the church. Romans 12, verse 1. Guys, here's the thing. We have gotten to a point in churches today where people think, well, how can this church serve me? And I get it. We, we need to be serving our people and serving them well. I get that, right? But honestly, for you as a believer, and this is where that idea of the Bible being the guide for our lives, this is where it comes in. Because what we've got, we have people who are culturally looking at the church and they're saying, well, this is what a church should do for me. Is the music for me? Is the preaching for me? You know, are the pews what I imagine them to be? Or they have all the programs that I need? That's not how you approach worshiping Jesus. You approach worshiping Jesus because you've been saved and because you can do no other. You know, Martin Luther, when they told him, hey, you can't say that, man. You're talking bad against us, the church. And he says, I can, I can do no other. It is what it is. I mean, you're going to have to just kill me, I guess. Whatever. Martin Luther didn't let it knock him down. When we're looking here in, in chapter 12 of Romans, you and I are not to be people walking around here saying, well, this isn't, this isn't acceptable to me and this isn't acceptable to me. We need to be walking around here saying, how can I be a sacrifice to Jesus in this place? Same thing with your world. Have you noticed that the world's kind of cranky too? I mean, you watch the news. It's not positive news most of the time. Every now and then, I think Channel 9's got the uh, something good. I love that. I think it's good. You know, they, they uh, featured a part of our school this week. You know, some really neat stuff that was going on at the school. And, and in the neighborhood around the school, there was a man who dresses up and waves at people. I, I, when I heard about it a few weeks ago, I was like, what's wrong with that guy? You know, but that, again, there's that, there's that culture creeping in even through me, but he's just being positive, right? When we come to church, when we're in our workplaces, when we're in our homes, may we be a people who say, you know what, I'm a living sacrifice to Jesus. Look at verse 1, I appeal to you. In other words, guys, listen to me. I'm telling you something here. I appeal to you, right? This is important. 
I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Guys, our spiritual worship's not coming in here and raising our hands and singing really loud. That's a part of it, but our spiritual worship is actually ours, our lives totally given to God, 100%. And not just in here during worship or not in here during preaching, but it's when you leave this place, amen? That you're presenting yourselves, your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable. And we need to be people who are just going past the, well, I'm a Christian or the checkbox, right? I'm a Christian. No, you are a Christian because you go out and you're just reaching people, that anybody that you can. It doesn't matter who it is. He's appealing. He's like, guys, present your bodies as this. Don't come to church and say, what? What What can this church do for me? Don't walk into the world and say, what can this world do for me? You go out there and you serve Jesus with your full spirit, everything about you. Go serve Jesus. He says, do this in verse two. Do not be conformed to this world. If you go around griping, you're conformed to the world. If you go around and, and, and you've just got complaints and, you, and you're just, everything's negative, you're conformed to the world. And I, guys, I understand we can, we can have loss in our lives. We can have, you know, things change and it makes life difficult. I get that. But if you're living in Christ, every day is new. If you're living in Christ, you're called to be a person who is holy and acceptable to God. And so everything that you do, you're just looking to, to the fact that, hey, Jesus is good. He's changed me. He's changed me. So we're not conformed to this world, but we're transformed by the renewal of our minds. Transformed. I can remember back in the day, um, you remember when they, when they came out with these things called computers, like early on? And, and you could, <laughs> I remember this. It's not, this, it's not so much the case anymore. Uh, I use Apple products and stuff and, but, but, boo. <laughs> but, uh, I can remember back in the day, I had a, I had a couple of computers, you know, uh, desktops and, as you would use a computer, it would store memories and, and it would store like stuff on there. And then the computer would do this. It would slow down. You remember that? So if you go in there, you could, they, there had programs that they ended up coming up with, but you go in there and you could clean out your disk, clean out all that stuff. And then your computer would run fast again, right? It's kind of like running, right? It's, it's like, it's like uh, after Thanksgiving, we're just like, oh, I can't hardly walk. And then, you know, you have to run that, you have to clean that stuff out and then, and then you're okay. But computers worked very much that way at one time. Now we've got the cloud and all this. Now they're just bugging you every five days. Hey, you need more, you know, sir, you need more space. But he says here to, to continue to run, to have that renewal of the mind. What the church needs today is not a new program. You don't need a, a new anything. What you need is, is Jesus to clean that mind out, to have that renewal of our minds. When you leave here today, Man, be the brightest Christian in the restaurant you go eat at. Those people are working on a Sunday. Can you be a light to them? Yep. Hey, maybe even tip them a little more, you know? Love them in the name of Jesus. But that's that transformed mind that you're going out here and you're loving the world so that maybe you might have the opportunity to share the gospel with them. Because there's a thing, the gospel changes us. The word of God is what? It's that change that people need in their lives. It says, be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. How do we do that? It's by the word of God. We need that in our lives more and more and more. And when God works in us, man, it's a beautiful thing. 
It's a beautiful thing. I, I've gotten complimented a couple times uh, about you guys as a church in the community recently. I, I've heard uh, uh, on several occasions, I've heard people say, man, there's something going on down there. I've heard that. I guess that could be bad. I'm not sure, but uh, I'm going to take it as good, okay? Uh, <laughs> I've heard people uh, compliment, like uh, we were up at the school this week. We passed out candy, you know, to the kids. We got this letter. I mean, those people realize that we had a we had a situation about a week ago where all of a sudden um, the community needed us to uh, feed the football team, and we did. We just jumped on and did it. But they came to us because they knew that we loved Jesus and they knew that we would help them. That makes me happy. I've had people say, "Man, I, you know, we were at your church and we just felt really loved there." I've had people say things like that, and I don't mean to make you have a big head this morning, because I'm sure there's probably as many bad things that I, we could say, right? There's, I mean, honestly. But the truth of the matter is that you and I need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds in our Christ. You need to be, you need to be doing new things. And those new things are found in Scripture. Those new things are not just works for work's sake. We're, we're doing good works so that God is lifted up. Amen. I love this. Uh, he goes on, and you can read the rest of chapter 12 is this beautiful. I mean, he talks about the marks of like a true Christian. You want to know what a, good, a true Christian looks like? Look at verse 9. He says, let love be genuine. Hey, church, I love you. Some of y'all went, oh, oh. <laughs> makes me it makes me uncomfortable. I love you, right? That genuineness, I, I think that's how we need to love people. It's, it's a genuine love. He says, let Love, be genuine, not generic. Oh, yeah, yeah, I love you too, whatever. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is what? Evil. If there's anything evil in this world, we ought to abhor that. We ought to hate that. Man, I don't want anything to do with that. And I think we're probably pretty quick with that. You know, we don't like abortion. We don't like these, you know, these deep, dark sins, like maybe human trafficking. We don't like that stuff in the world. We abhor it, right? But here's what you ought to also abhor. You ought to abhor dissensions within the church. We don't like to hear that, do we? If you got odds with somebody within this church, you ought to hate that. And you ought to outdo each other in brotherly love. I'm not saying that for anyone in particular. I'm just saying this is a truth. And I believe churches need to hear this and be reminded. It's not the, it's not the, it's not the youth church and the kids church and the adult church. We're one church. It's not the old people versus the young people. It's not the, 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 the traditional music versus the new music. Or the, or the, uh, a couple weeks ago, we had a little bit of bluegrass going on in here, right? I saw the light. Man, I love Southern Gospel. It's not these battles that we battle with in church. And we, we try to make that the battle, but the actual battle we're dealing with here is sin. And the church is calling you and I today, or God is calling you and I today to be a church that loves. And we're genuine. We hate evil. We don't want to have any of this evilness in the world. He says, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing love and honor, right? Outdo each other. Outdo each other. Somebody, get, And this is not like a competition, by the way. You know, if I give you 10, now you got to give me 20, right? That's not what we're talking about here. But we ought to be defined as people who, we, we're not just loved, but we also love back. I've been blessed because in my life, I've been a part of churches that are exactly that. People go through hard times, everybody loves on them. And then when those people kind of get through those hard times, kind of, you know how it is, they, they love other people who are going through hard times. And it's just like this consistent, everybody's just loving on each other. I think we have that here too, don't you? I feel that. 
but that's how we're to be. Verse 11, do not be uh, slothful in zeal. <laughs> I like how they say slothful. I just think of Sid the sloth, you know, that's what I think about. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in what? Spirits. Serve the Lord. What are we called to here? Serve God. You loving others, that's exactly what God wants you to do, right? He's called us to that. He's, it's not just something we keep to ourselves and we say, well, I love Jesus, but you don't really love people. No, we have to love people too. We have to. Why do you say that? Well, it's not because that's Daniel's preference. That's because Romans chapter 12, the word of God, which is our guide in all things, this word of God is telling me right here, I need to love people. I need to love people. What's well, people you love, isn't it, Daniel? Yep, but it's also verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. <laughs> you ever had somebody persecute you? I, I've had, you know, in the past, I've had neighbors or people in my life that we just didn't get along, you know? I had a feller in Purim that we just didn't get along. I'll be honest with you, man. I, I try to walk. I mean, you know, I'm kind of one of those people, I just get along with most people, but me and this guy, we didn't jive one bit. God help me, but I just didn't like him. Still don't be honest with you, but you know, it's like one of those things, right? But, but I never, like, we had some differences, but I never, I, I really tried to live by the book. I'm not saying I was always perfect, but I lived by the book. I just continued to love the guy. I helped him when I could. And this was a guy who, who really, at times, he would talk really bad about me publicly. He got on that thing called Facebook, and he, you know, bashed it about me a couple times, and I was just like, ooh, but I didn't come back at him. I did in my head, which is probably just as wrong, but... I didn't, I didn't press submit or anything or post. But I was at a funeral not just too long ago and I preached. I didn't know what to preach. I just preached the word of God. There's a person I really didn't even know. I get up there and I preach the gospel and I, I just kind of leave it at that. At the end of the service, he comes up and he hugs my neck, a guy who hates me. You know how that happens? It's not because your pastor's a good guy. It's because the word of God is true. The word of God is our guide. It's our help in this world. And if people persecute you, you need to love on them. Don't curse them back. He says, rejoice with those who rejoice. If somebody has something good go on, guess what you should do with them? Rejoice. Somebody's crying. You should cry with them. He says, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. We don't need to be like, oh, look at us. You should, you should, you should find yourself with people that aren't nothing like you, is what it's saying. Don't walk around all high and mighty, but everyone is a child of God. Amen. Verse 17, repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends upon you, live peaceably with all people. We're to do that. Yep. Other churches in town. I think churches get like territorial sometimes. You know, one church is doing really good in the area and other churches are like, oh, look at that, you know. A lot of times it's, it's interesting. I, I was a part of a pastor's group this past week and they were talking about how, you know, when a church is doing really good in a town, all the other churches talk bad about that church. And it's true. <laughs> I've seen it time and time again. Why do we do that? Why do we do that? We shouldn't. We shouldn't do that. Live peaceably with all people. Verse 19, beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. Somebody TPs your house, don't go TP it back. Someone says something bad about you, don't go say something bad about them. There's been times in my life when I was like, man, I got the right to say it back to them. And, and it, the times that I did, I felt bad. The times that I didn't, you know, guys, eventually I saw that 
I saw that peace of God enter those relationships and those people. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. And it kind of goes back to who's our leader. Who's your leader today? You know? It's not Biden. It's not the, not the Congress. It's not Stitt. Your leader is God. That's who you look to, right? That's who we should be looking to. Let God handle things. Let God be in control. Let God be the one that does all of this. Verse 20. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. <laughs> now I want to caution you. You don't do good stuff to people so you can see those burning coals on their head, okay? I've thought that before. Like, well, I'm going to be nice to that person so God will heap burning coals on their head. That's not the point here. You're doing this in a, in a, in a heart and in a spirit of love, aren't you? You're not being nice to someone just so that they get paid back for what they did to you. No, 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 no. But there's something to be said that when you're nice to someone who's not nice to you, they really can't say anything bad about you. And it's like a burning coal in their head. You're like, oh man, I cannot believe that person's nice to me and I was so mean to them. And then uh, time and time again, people may continue to be mean for a little bit, but eventually, yeah, you're probably going to win them over. And not probably. I mean, the word of God teaches us to live by this way. Do not overcome or do not be overcome by evil, but do what? Overcome evil with good. The word of God is our, is our focus point this morning as it always is. But as we, as we think on, we, re, we remember the, the Reformation, the importance of how people were getting the actual physical hard copy word of God in their hands and they could study it for themselves. You and I have that same thing today. And if we're struggling with these areas of uh, relationships with people inside or outside of the church, get to the word of God. If you're struggling with anything in life, you get to the Word of God. The Word of God is that guide. It helps us to do, it helps us to do church better. I meet with the leadership, or I meet with some of you people, and we always, you know, well, well, okay, we're going to do an activity, but what's what's the point in it? Is it just to do an activity for activity's sake, or are we focus it upon the Word of God? It needs to be the Word of God, doesn't it? Everything that we do, and we do everything. Be, in this manner, because this is what the Word of God teaches us. I'm not telling you guys to do this because this is the Baptist way or the Daniel way. We know that this is the right thing and the right way to live our life today because the Word of God teaches us this. And, and, And really, to be honest with you, I mean, they must, Paul knew he had to say this and write it down by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but he knew he had to do this because he knew that people needed to know this. We're not going to know this on our own because guys, honestly, if someone slaps you on the cheek, you're going to slap them back by your spirit. Well, no, Daniel, I would never do that. Without Christ, you would, (laughs) because we're, we're evil that way. We're, we're broken that way. That's why we need Jesus. That's why we need the Lord. And because we do, we have the word. And by the, the power of the word of God in our lives, we can see God glorified in all areas, not just within our church, but outside the church as well. Because here's the thing. You may be a believer in Jesus Christ today, and you can glory in that and say amen.